Welcome to Manners and Madness, a Jane Austen and David Lynch podcast. My name is Maya Adkins. And I'm Christian Cabrera. And today we'll be covering episode seven of Twin Peaks. Yes, very exciting. It's the penultimate episode of the season. (laughs) (laughs) We're almost through. Got one more, right? Yeah, one more. One more, the big finale, and we're going to have a special guest for that one, so I'm excited about that. (laughs) It's exciting. Well, just a little peek behind the curtain, we're recording this episode the day after we recorded the last one, so we don't really have much to catch up on because we literally just talked to each other yesterday. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, we're trying to fit these in for a quick little vacation. Yes, a very little and socially distant vacation. Don't worry. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. So hopefully that will still happen next weekend. And (laughs) fingers. So we're recording two this weekend. And uh, yeah, should we go ahead and do our first impressions? Yes. I really enjoyed this episode. I feel like uh, it was um, a lot of like, I'm trying to think of how to word this correctly. I think I read somewhere that the they someone can like describe this episode as like an episode that you have to be a fan of the series to watch kind of because like a lot of like character development and like things that we are learning about the characters are being set in motion and I feel like characters yeah. are being more established so it's really good for people who really love the series I think we're finally getting some like moving giant leaps forward and it's yeah really exciting I really liked it yeah I feel like when I watched it, I was thinking of it almost as the first part of a two-part episode where the finale would be the second part because it really just felt like just building the momentum for what what is to come. Yeah. And so um, I I really enjoyed it too. I have to say that the previous episode was such a high point, a surprising high point for me that this Mm -hmm. one didn't quite live up to it, but I still loved it this episode of course and um (laughs) there are a lot of funny little bits there were some really great standout moments though that we'll definitely talk about when we get to them so (laughs) yeah I also had a lot of like creepier undertones and it felt a little bit more adult if that makes sense yeah we start off with (laughs) Audrey (laughs) naked in the bed (laughs) yeah that was an interesting scene yeah it does feel like it gets way adult this time even the teenage stories are like okay kids yeah (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) it's like um I would like compare it to uh like in Scooby-Doo when you like watch it and they're like trapping and catching people and hunting people down but then you're like oh wait they're teenagers like you kind of forget (laughs) so I like I I liked it though I like the little of like the creepier darker more serious undertone yeah, definitely. All right. Well, um, yeah, we're Christian is doing notes this week, so I'm very excited to let him take it away for the notes section <clears throat> today. Yeah, I was uh, did the notes today. I was super excited because I feel like. I was reading through all the articles and stuff and was able to more absorb more of the information and kind of like have a deeper appreciation for the series. Awesome. So let's go, let's get started. All right. So this episode is, um, we're calling it episode seven, but it was technically episode six. 
Uh-huh. Titled Realization Time. Mm. And it originally aired on May 17th, 1990. So today's the 30th anniversary. Oh my gosh. <laughs> We're so lined up with this sort of stuff. So crazy. <laughs> I know. It's so weird. Um, 30 years ago today is when it aired. Um, Can I just say, I uh-huh. when I saw that the title was Realizations, I was like, yeah, I can kind of see it, but I feel like it should have been called um, Deception. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I feel like that was the theme of the episode. I was going to say, yeah, everyone's lying now. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's all about trickery. And anyway, keep going. <laughs> I thought that was so funny. Um, it was viewed by 17% of the available audience, uh, which was a little bit of a downtick from previous episodes. But I think it's due to like, the whole like comparison of it, you having to be a fan of the show to kind of like this because we're kind of getting deeper into the story and you can't just like pop in and watch it without yeah. seeing what happened before. So yeah, um, it was directed by Caleb Deschanel, um, who's Who the is... father of Emily and Zoe Deschanel. Yeah, and the and husband has been to um, oh my god, what's her name? I'm actually terrible. <laughs> I can't remember her name either. Is it um? It is yeah. Mary Jo Ware. Yeah, okay. Who's Donna's mom. Yes. Yes. Yes, it is. Um, and he directed three episodes total in the series. Um, I think there's some in, there's more in season two. Okay. Um, and he is a really renowned cinematographer. And I didn't know this. I found this so interesting because I was going through his list of credits. But some of the bigger titles I found were he did cinematography for The Patriot, Hope Floats, National Treasure, Passion of the Christ, and the most recent Lion King. Oh, really? Yeah. I feel like I've only seen National Treasure. Yeah. <laughs> I might have seen yeah. Hope Floats back in the day. I'm not sure. <laughs> yeah, that thought was so, he had a long list of, I think he's, that's like his main deal, but I thought it was so interesting. Yeah. Oh, I love it when um, directors show up who are like, oh, I know you from yeah. this, or you're married <laughs> to this person, or whatever. <laughs> yeah. he's. I, I think he's like one of those like uh, people who's like good at everything, because he had a bunch of directing credits, and nothing really that I was like super aware of, but I'm also not really versed in a lot of uh, movies from like the 90s and 80s. And yeah. Stuff. But um, it was written by Harley Payton. Um, and he wrote, a, produced a few episodes of Twin Peaks, and he actually won an Emmy for Outstanding Writing for a drama series for Twin Peaks. Had he written a previous episode we've seen already? Um, I think so. Let me check. Mabel, that's mine. <laughs> I don't have easy access to my notes at the moment. So it's only telling me that he wrote for Twin Peaks, for, I think, for both seasons. I think he has. I want to say, like, maybe the second or third or... Yeah. I don't remember. <laughs> yeah, I can't find it. But um, clearly did a lot of great work for the show. I was reading a couple of quotes that he had. He said writing for Cooper was very tricky because he has a very idiosyncratic view of the world. And it's hard to, like he said it was difficult to kind of keep him on track while moving forward. Uh-huh. Um, but he said that writing for Audrey was very enjoyable and a lot of fun <laughs> because she uh, is like, he said that she embodied, her character embodied uh, sexy and smart, and she did a lot of progression in this episode. Yeah, definitely. This is a great Audrey episode. Yes. And then I had a couple little things I wanted to read from the article because it was so interesting. 
Yeah, you were right. Harley Payton previously wrote episode three. Okay. Yes. Okay, so after Payton, who wrote the episode, was talking about how he enjoyed writing for Audrey and found Cooper very tricky, he said he was talking about the character of Madeline Ferguson and uh-huh. who was named after for characters in Alfred Hitchcock's uh, Vertigo. Um, oh. after Kim Novak's Madeline Elster and James Stewart's Scotty Ferguson. Interesting. Um, yes. And then Ferguson's cousin, Laura Palmer, was similarly named after the titular character in Otto, Pen- uh, Otto Preminger's uh, 1944 film, Laura. Uh-huh. And then other characters throughout the Twin Peaks series would also be named after film noir characters. So it's ah, kind of like... See, yeah, that makes sense. And Otto Preminger was... Um... Another inspiration for one of the directors, one of his other movies, mm-hmm. they used that as an inspiration for something. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> nice if I could remember the notes from one week to the next. <laughs> it's a lot. Um, and then I, the, they also wrote that, do you remember the popular like cherry stem scene? Did we talk about oh, this already? Of no. Um, it was inspired by an incident in Peyton's life. And he had been dining with friends <laughs> during the time he was writing the script. And then a female friend demonstrated that she could do it. And then so he immediately added to the script, um, <laughs> finding it fascinating that he could witness something on one day, write it the next, and two weeks later see newspapers discussing his version of it. <laughs> um, but uh, That girl was like, you should be writing me a check for that, thank you. <laughs> yeah, seriously. <laughs> Sherilyn then but said that she couldn't actually do the trick and so the way it was done was she already had a pre-tied one in her mouth and then switched it out when she Uh did it um I remember trying that as a kid a lot yeah I've I've, I've accomplished it but it is not a um pretty sight to behold someone doing that (laughs) I was like I uh I think I tried it when I was little and I was like I can't do this this is too much Um, and then quick, one last quick little bit about One-Eyed Jacks. Apparently they were filmed on location at a house in Malibu Lake. And they kind of shot several episodes, like footage worth, uh, ep- several footage worth, whatever. You know what I mean? Words. <laughs> um, several episodes them, worth of footage? Yes. Um, <laughs> they shot them all in one day just because they only had the house. And um, okay. Deschanel expressed regret over the use of a house style in the series. Um, feeling that he lit certain scenes in this episode in a way he would not usually have done, preferred preferring to have employed a uh, chiaroscuro. Is that how you say chiaroscuro? Chiaroscuro. Uh huh. Use of shadow as opposed to the reddish tints used throughout. And I okay. guess tra- that's chiaroscuro. That's more of a like. Um, um, I think that's when it's like more of a faded out, like everything kind of blends together, out of focus. Yeah, it's saying it's kinda the look- use of. Sh- strong contrast between light and dark oh okay so yeah I definitely remember learning about that when I was getting my bachelor's in photography but (laughs) pull it out (laughs) but um yeah I thought that was really interesting but that's all for the notes awesome oh and I wrote down the log lady intro because I figured you probably wouldn't have access to that not but I do want to hear it let's see the log lady intro she says Beauty is in the eye of the beholder, yet there are those who open many eyes. Eyes are the mirror of the soul, someone has said. So we look closely at the eyes to see the nature of the soul. Sometimes when we see the eyes, those horrible times when we see the eyes, 
eyes that have no soul. Then we know a darkness. Then we wonder, where is the beauty? There is none if the eyes are soulless. <laughs> so creepy. <laughs> Uh, so I mean I don't feel like eyes were especially prevalent in this episode Um, I don't know yeah I wonder if she's like hinting like foreshadowing towards the next episode just future stuff yeah maybe yeah maybe when we finally get to Twin Peaks world of course still but (laughs) yeah of course maybe it's like when we finally get to like meet Bob officially or you know what I mean yeah all right (laughs) you ready okay recap time ready all right time for the recap so we start um with a half moon in the sky And we're at the Great Northern at nighttime. And we see Cooper explaining to Audrey that she is a high school girl. (laughs) (laughs) What we've been saying all along. (laughs) (laughs) He's taken an oath to uphold certain values. And this is wrong. And they both know it. And even though he kind of seems like a little wistful, like I would have totally been down for it but i have like this whole responsible thing i gotta do and you know fbi (laughs) (laughs) but he's still very understanding that what she needs more than anything else is a friend and someone to listen to her so and audrey she seems okay just being friends i mean yeah (laughs) she already like blew her hole (laughs) you know she shot her load way early So Cooper's like, okay, I'll just go get us a couple malts and some fries and we'll talk about it. And she's like, that could take all night. (laughs) They talk about (laughs) secrets and Cooper says that finding out Laura's is his job. She said Laura has a lot. (laughs) Yeah, Laura had a lot of secrets. (laughs) It seems by this episode that everyone has a lot of secrets. (laughs) No one is secretless. (laughs) Secretless. So then we're, it's the next morning. We see Andy cautiously approaching the front desk of the sheriff's department where Lucy is. She's still calling him Officer Brennan and shutting him down. <laughs> she gets a call from a doctor and seems kind of upset. Mm-hmm. And then Cooper comes in with his whistle. <laughs> toot, toot. <laughs> I didn't realize it actually played notes, though, until today. It's almost like a train whistle. Did you ever have... One of those when you were younger? It is like a train whistle, but there must be actual notes you can play because it feels like he played, played a note. Yeah. I must say, one of its like, many secret talents is <laughs> carving I want a whistle. tiny little flute whistle. <laughs> little flute. <laughs> Doc Hayward and Harry are looking at mima birds and a bunch of encyclopedias, I presume. All the good old days when there wasn't the internet. <laughs> <laughs> They mimic the human voice when they're feeling playful. And H.G. Cooper doesn't like birds. I never um, (laughs) caught that little detail before. But yeah, he's like, I don't like birds, which I can sympathize. I've had a dislike of birds. Not a dislike. I just don't trust birds. I feel like (laughs) they are not trying to be cute. They would rather just poke my eyes out. 
but I have <laughs> learned to like them more as I get a bird feeder and start to watch them, but only from a distance. From I don't want yeah. any in my house. <laughs> social, social distancing birds because yes. they are actually living dinosaurs. So oh my I don't God, want a dinosaur near me. A story about a parrot that I will tell someday on this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Please. I don't think I've read the story. <laughs> All of my stories revolve around animals for some reason. <laughs> Okay, so Waldo is a witness to the crime. Hawk comes in with some forensics. He confirms that Ronette, Laura, Leo were all with Jacques at his cabin. And they set up a voice-activated tape recorder so that they can catch anything that Waldo has to say. And they decide they need to go visit One-Eyed Jacks because that's where Jacques Rideau is working. And unfortunately, it is in Canada, so out of their jurisdiction. But... Cooper recommends that they call in the Bookhouse Boys for this one. Mm-hmm. Go a little rogue. I'm, I'm doing the symbol. <laughs> <laughs> you can't hear it on the podcast, but I'm scraping no. my finger down my face. <laughs> okay. So then we see Leo watching his house with binoculars. He has been shot in the arm, we can tell, although he doesn't look too mm-hmm. bad off. No. When he sees Bobby walking up to his house, he gets out his gun. Shelly let, but you know, they, they go inside before he can actually shoot him. Shelly lets. <laughs> <laughs> he got his gun out way before, like after they went inside and it was like, they better come back he, out. <laughs> he put it up to his eye as they're like walking in the door. It's like, oh, thank goodness. Phew. Save for another moment. <laughs> so, okay. So Shelly lets Bobby in. She's crying. She's telling him about how she shot Leo. I was saying, my mind was saying, why are you still in the house, girl? Why are you there? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I was say, she could have gone with Norma. I bet you Norma would have understood. Seriously. I mean, there's got to be somewhere. Even if she just went to Bobby's house. I mean. Yeah. She could okay. sneak in. Yeah. She, okay, so she knows Leo is going to kill her. She's telling Bobby what happened. Bobby vows that Leo is history and that he's going to take care of Shelly from now on. And in his truck, Leo is listening to the police radio and overhears Lucy on a call saying that Waldo could be a witness. <laughs> Hi, uh, Mabel. <laughs> she said, Waldo. She just bombed us. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so not very smart, Lucy. You're not supposed to talk about that stuff. I was like, girl. I was like, who is but she I talking guess- to? <laughs> Yeah, I was wondering that. But actually, I think I might know who she might be talking to. Okay. Mm -hmm. We just haven't met them yet. Gotcha. Next, we go to Donna's house. Maddie and Donna, and James is there too, are listening to the tape that Maddie found in Laura's secret hiding place. Right. It's a tape that Laura made for Dr. Jacoby. And in it, Laura is saying that she thinks she's going to dream big, bad dreams, the kinds of dreams that he likes. She says that she knows that he likes her, but she's going to keep it a secret, just like his coconut. And then she says, why is it so easy to make men like me? Or something like that. <laughs> and that's when James turns it off. <laughs> He's like, I don't <laughs> want to. The many men who found it very easy to like her. <laughs> mm-hmm. So the, uh, Maddie is going through the box. She finds an empty cassette holder and they decide they're going to go to Jacoby's office tonight get him out of there so they can search it so they hatch a plan 
Okay, then to Horn's department store, Audrey is doing a very bad job of trying to sell perfume. I guess she doesn't need the commission after all. <laughs> I was like, I think she's, uh, she's fine. Yeah. She overhears Emery asking to see her coworker, I don't know, Julie, I think maybe, in his office. So. so she um, sneaks into Emery's office. I love the way she just, you know, there's a guy outside and she's just like, there's a big bus crash outside. It sounded really bad. And he's like, whoa, bus <laughs> and she's crash. Like, whoa, gotta go <laughs> she see just it. smiles to herself like, I knew that would work. <laughs> <laughs> she's just too smart for her own good. Yeah, this is a great scene. Uh, she yeah. sneaks into Emery's office. She lights a cigarette. She hides in the closet. <laughs> and it, it's very blue velvet. It's just like. Yes. I guess, uh, who directed this one? Uh, Caleb Deschanel was probably like, yeah. Oh, this feels like I could use some blue moment, blue velvet imagery from this. <laughs> As I would say, with the short black hair and everything. Yeah, definitely. Looking through the slats. So she sees Emery give Jenny a gift, which is a little glass unicorn. Oh, Jenny. Jenny is saying that she had a good time at the club and they want her to continue. Hmm. So he's saying the variety of work is entirely up to her. If she's very lucky, though, she can be a hospitality girl, which is like <laughs> escorting high rollers, which I assume is the, um, you know, where the real money is more, made in this club. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> because after seeing the club, when we get to it, I was like, I remember this being a lot bigger and fancier. <laughs> yeah. So he gives her a number and says to ask for Black Rose. So um, they leave. Audrey comes out, checks his little black book and sees Ronette's name in it. Then she snatches up the unicorn and we go to the double R where Hank is talking to Shelly, trying to play up the nice guy image, the aw shucks. Um, yeah. Except when he menacingly to himself says, big Ed. Uh, then he steals someone's fancy lighter, and at first I thought of stealing Shelly's tips, and I was like, no way, dude. There's no redeeming I, from that. <laughs> so I, I first thought, I was like, what is he staying, what is he taking? And it's so, like, like, obvious, too. Like, wasn't even trying to hide it. I was like, aren't you on parole? He just can't help himself. So then Cooper and Hank come in, looking for Hank. Uh, Hank, I mean, uh, No. Harry and Cooper come in looking for Hank. Is that what I said? <laughs> Harry mm, wants maybe. Hank. I don't know. <laughs> Harry wants Hank to know that he's still on parole. I see. I wrote the wrong word the whole time. Okay. And Harry uh, doesn't think people can change. And he's anxious to leave. But Cooper, this is a great moment. It says, once a day, every day, give yourself a present. <laughs> like, Basically a... Like, yeah, like a treat yourself. <laughs> I was just about to say, like a, a precursor to Parks and Recs, treat yourself. Yeah, except for instead of one day where you treat yourself a lot, you just treat yourself to one thing every day, which I actually like better oh, yeah. personally. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> one little surprise. Many more treats in the day. And their treats are the two black cups of coffee right in front of them. Nothing better <laughs> than a piping hot black cup of coffee, according to Cooper. <laughs> not to me <laughs> no i don't like it black so we go back to the department store andre is really really 
good at this. She bonds with Ginny and finagles the number of black rows out of her. Mm-hmm. And I was just super impressed with her skills. It was just, you know, like, mm-hmm. oh, I know what's happening. Oh, I bet he gave you one of these too. And it's just like, Audrey, if you had gone to the police force, if you had like followed, if you'd become Cooper's protege instead of, mm-hmm. you know. She'd be so good. Um, yeah, she would have been great. <laughs> she could have been yeah. a great FBI. I'm saying like, she's so smart. And <laughs> it's like, until we get to, you know, the actual um, one-eyed Jack situation, <laughs> then she kind of like crumbles. But when it's like not extreme pressure, when she feels like she has the upper hand, then yeah, she is like unstoppable. Yeah, <laughs> anyone who's not, um, yeah, when she has the upper hand, she is unstoppable for sure. Okay, so next scene this is one of my favorite scenes. We get a little invitation to love. Nadine is watching it. Yes. In the clip that we see. Chet has a gun pulled on <laughs> Montana, and I finally put together, oh, this guy is Montana, because I'd heard the name Montana, and I'd seen this guy, but I never knew that his name was Montana. Never connected. Uh, yeah. Nadine is super into it. <laughs> Chet shoots Montana, <laughs> and Nadine says, you show him, Chet. You show all of them. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like maybe she, on some way, connects with Chet. <laughs> <laughs> of course, Yes. <laughs> He's definitely, I mean, from what we can tell, Chet has been like the put upon, you know, manipulated guy, rich guy so right. far. So Ed comes in, Nadine is like, I'm eating bonbons and she's crying. Her drape runners were rejected and she's lamenting all the things that she was going to buy for them and the new life she was going to make for them. And Ed says, don't you give up. Don't you dare. As the soap opera music <laughs> swells in the background. <laughs> and she throws herself into his arms. It's like, oh, you're in the soap opera. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> yes. Part of me was wondering. I was like, I wonder if this is Ed's way of, like, connecting with Nadine better. As, like, maybe she, like, wants her life to be, like, a soap opera and super dramatic. And he's like, I'm just going <laughs> to indulge her fantasy. <laughs> yeah. Actually, it's really funny because um, Big Ed, I did the deep dive on, and he first, I think, made his day for himself as a really popular character on a soap opera for like a year or two. And I was like, oh, you're right in your wheelhouse then. <laughs> I was <laughs> like, he's back in his element. <laughs> yeah. Maybe, <laughs> I think Maple might have been dreaming. She made like a little weird <laughs> noise. <laughs> I don't know if you could hear it, but. <laughs> I just saw you jump. <laughs> It just came out of nowhere. Good thing we can separate the tracks. <laughs> it's okay. Okay, so I wrote Hank as Harry for like the rest of this episode. I don't know what's wrong with me. Okay. <laughs> so Harry is at Pete's house, or I guess the Martell's house, looking at his new stuffed fish, sizes and everything. Because <laughs> <laughs> we're talking about how it shrunk a little. Josie comes in. Hank wants to know why she was at the motel and she uh tries to kiss him to distract him which is her favorite tactic (laughs) and make him forget but he won't forget that easily she admits that she was spying on ben and Catherine, and you know i'm still wondering who is double crossing who in this situation right at this point that's what i was thinking yeah she took the pictures so now she has proof and she says she overheard Catherine talking about a fire at the mill and Harry promises to help, which 
I mean, it's like all true, but like, you know, there's something more going on. Mm-hmm. Then we see Cooper in his loose tuxedo. <laughs> <laughs> I'm guessing, I think loose suits were in at the time, but he just, it looks so yeah. loose on him. I don't know. Maybe it, I've just watched too many fashion shows to. <laughs> Where it's like fitted. Yeah. <laughs> Did it look that way to you or is it just my. It did look a little bit more. It looked less like um, formal, almost in a way. Like it felt like more leisurely of a of a tux ah, somehow. Maybe. But uh, I can't tell if it was just like the '90s or if maybe it was like <laughs> Coop because it made it. <laughs> yeah, it was like really thin, and almost made him feel like a little bit more like childlike. So I don't know if it was like an effort for them to be like he's not like in his 30s. He's actually like yeah. in his 20s. So I don't know. So not to be too intimidating or to come across yeah. as um Oh yeah. Please. Maybe he maybe it could come off as like this like rich idiot doesn't know how to buy a yeah. suit. Yeah. I'm definitely gonna use that as my headcanon. Okay. Yeah. So um <laughs> Ed is in his best bolo tie. <laughs> I loved Ed's outfit. It was yeah. so like perfectly just bolo tie western shirt. Yes. Yes. I, I've never really lived in the West, but I feel like there are definitely Florida versions of the fancy. Oh, um, yeah. I don't know what you would call it. I don't want to use the a Western derogatory term. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> I guess less sophisticated version of a suit, you know? Yeah, like when people are like, that's a, what was a Canadian suit? It's just denim on denim on denim on denim. Yeah. Flip-flops are definitely a part of our formal wear here, so. (laughs) Unfortunately. Well, it's just too dang hot for your feet. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) Where was I? Um, Okay, so, uh, yeah. Cooper has a bunch of money, a bunch of bureau money to gamble with. I think, like, $10,000. Yeah, a lot. Harry tells Cooper about the plan to burn down the sawmill, and Cooper wants to help. And they are going to be playing the role of oral surgeons from the big city. <laughs> and then we'll we see... Also own a gas station. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and just as they leave, Audrey comes in looking for them, but she just misses them. So then we go... Oh, I like this scene too. <laughs> this is a really good one. Catherine is talking to her insurance agent. Oh, yeah. Yeah, he needs her to sign her new life insurance policy. And funnily, Josie is the beneficiary. (laughs) The agent basically was suspicious, so he withheld the last page. And Ben was in on the scam. He was one of the people that the insurance agent was dealing with. Uh, Catherine, I just feel like as I'm watching, Piper Laurie is so dang good in the scene. It's like, you know Mm -hmm. when you're getting really crazy bad news laid on you, but you don't want to show it, and you can like feel it in the pit of your stomach? but you're like trying not to show mm-hmm. it on your face. I feel like I can read that in her so clearly in this scene. It's just like, she's so great in it. Oh yeah. Um, yeah. What I really liked about this scene was like the way her dialogue was written. And I've noticed this lately. I noticed it because I was watching, I'm watching Downton Abbey for the first time. And I just finished season three, I believe. Uh-huh. And it's always between Mary and Matthew their I always feel like their dialogue with each other it's always this like roundabout like insinuation never talking about like 
the direct point, like you're gonna have to work to find out like what I'm like talking about and using like an indirect language. And I feel like the way she talked about and the scene to the insurance agent was very much that where she was like all these like little quips and qualms and yeah, witty little like, like didn't want to come out and mystery. say what she was saying, but he was totally catching on to whatever she was saying. Oh, yeah. yeah, she's she's like I just want to make some minor changes, so I can't sign them right now. And he's like, oh, well, I want to help you in any way that I can. And right. um, like, when she was like, are you an ambitious man? Like that whole like conversation was like, yes, yes. So coded. I love, I love like yeah. conversations like that. I love Fiber Lori. Oh my gosh. She is so great. She's so good. <laughs> There's a lot of people in this episode wanting to professing they want to help each other out in this episode. Yeah. But we don't know That's if any of them are actually <laughs> telling the truth. <laughs> <laughs> so Catherine is clearly very taken aback by this. She's like, think, think, think. I think she says think or something like that to herself. Um, she mm-hmm. finds that the second account book that she had hidden was missing. Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> so then we see Audrey. She slips another note under Cooper's door and there's this really weird moment where she's walking down the hall and she sees this like really tall, thin Asian man who looks perfectly nice and charming, but there's this note mm-hmm. in the music that's like, Dah, that makes you just go, what is that? What's happening? Yeah. <laughs> I was like, what's the hint? What are we getting? <laughs> We don't know yet. So we go back to the <laughs> sheriff's department. Actually, the more I'm going over this, the more I'm like, yeah, there's a million great scenes, Maya. What are you talking about? I mean, not that I was ever disappointed <laughs> in this. I wasn't. I was never disappointed. No. I want to make that clear. <laughs> never. It was a very um, good episode. It was a very good episode. So back at the sheriff's department, it's raining, very atmospheric. They're all the boys are all putting on microphones and disguises. Waldo is in his cage happily swinging over a giant pile of donuts, which unsanitary at the best of times. (laughs) (laughs) My culinary training was like, that is disgusting. (laughs) Do not put a bird anywhere near food ever, ever. (laughs) No, the gross. (laughs) But I'm glad we did get a donut shot this episode. Yeah. Before they were ruined. Yeah, this... (laughs) When they first showed the donuts, I was like, hmm, should I make donuts tonight? Because I've got all the stuff to make donuts and I've been planning to make them. And then I realized, <laughs> oh, I remember what's about to happen. Maybe I won't want to make donuts Maybe in not. just a minute. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, okay. So, uh, yes, Waldo over donuts. He's, Waldo starts talking. He's saying, Laura, Laura. <laughs> and then oh, so a gunshot. And we see that it was Leo and Mm -hmm. the police all run in and they find blood dripping on the donuts, which was when I said, maybe not donuts tonight. (laughs) (laughs) And I said, poor Waldo, poor donuts. (laughs) (laughs) There's a lot of blood for that bird. That was a big bird. Yeah, a lot of blood for that tiny little bird. And so uh, Cooper picks up the cassette and runs it back and we hear the birds say and i have to do my waldo impression because i've been doing it for like 20 years (laughs) (laughs) he says it's really laura (laughs) laura don't go there don't go there hurting me hurting me stop it 
Leo, no. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, so creepy. I just love, I love that, but also hate it. (laughs) (laughs) I love Waldo's voice. Me too. (laughs) I wonder if um, Shirley did that, if they somehow had her do Waldo's voice. All church voice. Yeah. She's she's not credited. (laughs) She's not what? So she, I don't think she's credited with Waldo, but I want to go through like the IMDb and oh. go to like the bottom where the animals are usually listed and be like, <laughs> was Waldo credited with his own appearance? That's a good question. Hmm. I wonder if anything talks about who did Waldo's voice. I bet it's out there somewhere. <sighs> There's just so much Twin Peaks information. And, you know, I've been watching and listening to Twin Peaks podcasts and watching Twin Peaks mm-hmm. information and reading about it my whole life. But there's just so much, it's impossible to like collate it all into my brain. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so we are at One Eye Jacks. Ed is in his wig and mustache. (laughs) Uh, Cooper wore glasses and a tuxedo. That's his disguise. (laughs) It's the Superman disguise. Yeah. Blackie comes up to them and their oh so original names are Barney and Fred. (laughs) (laughs) ed starts off being a horrible liar because he just says i own a gas farm i mean i am an oral surgeon (laughs) (laughs) she's like "Uh yeah but he turns the tides when he turns on the charm and he's actually really good (laughs) yeah i was saying it was like a complete 180 i was like like you just had to switch it on So all of the girls at this place are all wearing card-themed lingerie, which is just so yeah. tacky. I can't even. <laughs> no, thank you. There's a place in Jacksonville called The Best Bet. And I used to, it's like a gambling kind of place. And I used to be friends with a girl who worked there. And they all, they're like, the waitresses wear like these like corset, short skirt kind of get-ups and it's all like really pretty girls that work there you know what I mean it's that kind of That's it's like a basically when I jack without the escorting right <laughs> it's, it's just so interesting I was like okay I guess it's not uncommon yeah <laughs> so okay um yeah Cooper just uses a little mic to check in with Hawk and they start to gamble and that's where I was realizing I thought I remembered this place being a lot fancier but it looks really tiny actually looking at it yeah. today when I was watching it. it. Yeah, what's interesting to me about doing the notes was like finding out that they filmed it in a house in Malibu. And I just thought it was like, I don't know, I feel, it felt like it was so, like it was filmed almost in like a giant bedroom almost, doesn't it? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, you would think that they would like clear out like a giant foyer or something and go through the house, but like it was just like one little room. Yeah. <laughs> I guess they probably have a whole another section that we're not seeing based on some of the stuff we've seen with the girls and the other side of the business (laughs) the escort section yes exactly so then we see maddie sneaking out of the palmer house and as she sneaks out we see leland sitting in the dark with the world's biggest frown on his face (laughs) <laughs> it was almost like that sad clown painting to me <laughs> i know it was like i didn't even know you it's could like, frown that hard <laughs> yeah <I was> like, <laughs> my grandma had a bunch of those and that's the only thing i saw 
<laughs> He's got a very expressive face. James is at the gazebo when Maddie comes out in a blonde wig and Laura's theme music starts swelling. Mm-hmm. And we just get a little glimpse of it, but Donna seems a little disturbed by James's reaction. <laughs> She's like, you know that's not her, right? <laughs> Even though we just heard Laura saying, I can wrap men around my finger, no problem. And it's like, even just the ghost of her is enough. To get James. <laughs> yeah. Okay, so we're back at the Great Northern. Ben is being serenaded by some Scandinavian folks. I can't keep straight <laughs> which country they're from. I think they're Icelandic, but I'm not sure. That's the uh, last one we were told. <laughs> yeah. Jerry, is, uh, he sends them off. Jerry thinks that they're ready to sign. They just want some more fun. They want to go to One Eye Jacks. Uh, ben is a little like, wow. Who told him about one Jacks? Uh, but he says, just take him there. I want the contract sign. And then he calls Josie. He says he wants Catherine at the mill. And we see that Hank is with Josie. Mm-hmm. And I'm like wondering. So crazy. Because I know Ben hired Leo and Hank and Leo have some sort of partnership. But is Hank part of Ben's plan? Or is this a whole different side plan that Josie's got going on? There's so many plans and double dealing. I don't yeah. know who's on whose side or if everyone's just out for themselves. Yeah, it's hard to tell if it's like um, all one giant operation with just many parts or because I almost felt like there was a hierarchy with Leo being towards the bottom. Well, I guess Bobby yeah. would be at the bottom. Yeah. <laughs> and Leo. Bobby's not even in on it. <laughs> no, <laughs> no. But it seems like there's some sort of hierarchy and obviously Ben's at the top, or so we think. Yeah, definitely. Back at One Eye Audrey is meeting with Blackie. She hands her her resume, which says that her name is Hester Prynne. And Blackie <laughs> knows that she's full of shit. <laughs> <laughs> she wants to know why she shouldn't just kick her out right there. And that's when Audrey famously ties a cherry stem in a knot with her tongue. And that does the trick. Mm-hmm. <laughs> the yes. trick that does the trick. Again, I thought even it was though... like. Oh, mm-hmm. yeah. Go ahead. Maybe, um, I was just to say, like, I thought it was so, like, interesting how fast she crumbled. Like, I feel like it's, like, common sense that, like, when you're lying and someone, you can tell someone's kind of, like, a little cautious and they, like, say, oh, is blah, blah, blah still blah, blah, blah there? Like, you're obviously <laughs> supposed to be like, oh, I don't know who that person is. <laughs> yeah, she's not very. Very yeah. savvy in that moment. I'm sure Audrey just made up all of that off the top of her head. So she should have just been like, no, he doesn't work there. What are you talking about? <laughs> right. I wonder if she's like, if Blackie is like this new type of person where, because we've seen her before, like Audrey, like manipulate other women and lie to them and easily. But I feel like if maybe Blackie is like the advanced version of Aud- um, Audrey, like a different version yeah, and she's maybe. just like completely intimidated by her yeah she definitely is not gonna fall for any of audrey's shenanigans no. she she's like no a 16 year old or 18 year old girl will not be pulling anything over me. on me <laughs> but i do have to say the um cherry stem trick i was saying mm-hmm. earlier i've done it myself but it like takes a lot of like finagling and Effort. it's not like 
pretty to watch. So I thought it was really <laughs> funny that even though Audrey clearly already had a like fake one in her mouth, just the like mm-hmm. the faking out of trying to do it was it was like um that's not sexy. <laughs> <Sorry>. <laughs> <laughs> no. <laughs> like I was like who knows maybe that's what men find attractive (laughs) maybe that's been my problem all this time (laughs) (laughs) I was like you gotta learn to sexually tie cherries in your mouth Maya what are you doing these unrealistic expectations okay (laughs) (laughs) so back to um one-eyed jacks cooper is playing back blackjack he's winning of course, of course. cooper's good <laughs> at gambling uh Jacques takes over as dealer and then we switch back uh we're seeing invitation to love again and i was like wait a minute we already saw this during the day now it's coming out at night jacoby must tape this and is watching it later <laughs> mm-hmm. uh all we really see is someone maybe montana offering jade a drink to old times so james dials a payphone. jacoby answers uh maddie takes the phone and repeats what she heard from the tape the what's up doc he of course does not believe her because laura's dead (laughs) so she says go to the door and he does and he brings the world's tiniest little gun with him (laughs) he looks so small like a tic-tac uh, appropriate for Jacoby though I can't see him having a gun bigger than that exact. No. he finds a package and in it is a videotape and when he puts it into the recorder which he should have taken out invitation to love I'm just saying continuity <laughs> <laughs> uh, he sees Maddie dressed as Laura with today's paper and she says on the phone meet me at Sparkwood in 21 in 10 minutes I think there's a podcast called Sparkwood in 21. <laughs> Is there really? That's cool. Or there might have been at one time. I don't know. A lot of the Twin Peaks podcasts stopped, you know, once they ran out of Twin Peaks stuff. So I don't know if they're right. still around or not. So Bobby is also sneaking around. This is why I'm like, this whole scene is like all sneaking and deception. It's all sneaky. The whole episode is sneaking around. <laughs> okay. So Bobby's mm-hmm. sneaking around. He sees James and Donna right off. And he doesn't really seem to notice Maddie like before she can actually turn around and she's in the shadow. So I guess that's why he doesn't react because I would think he would react if he saw He would be like Laura. shocked out of his mind. Yeah. I don't know if he's even run into Maddie at all. So he yeah, might not even know she's so. around. Well, she was at the funeral, so maybe, but, but he wasn't really paying attention to anyone at the funeral, but himself <laughs> and James. Of course. So Jacoby looking at the videotape notices the gazebo in the background. Duck it's, and he drives off james and donna sneak inside bobby sneaks up to james's bike and puts a bag of something in what i think is the gas tank which i've always been curious about this is this where people store drugs do people store drugs in gas tanks is it the gas tank or was it the exhaust pipe it was definitely something he had unscrew it was at the front of the bike Uh, maybe because like I don't know. I don't know. I'm not a motorcycle person, but I know with like cars, you have to like pop a latch and then you unscrew it. So there's like still some room in there, but maybe. Yeah. There's like the same. If you're with trying motorcycles. to hide something, would you put it in something with liquid? I mean, how would you ever <laughs> get it out? <laughs> it just seems so preposterous. 
I don't know. At first I thought it was like the exhaust pipe because I wasn't like really thinking. And then I remember recently that like it, it's been like debunked and like, cause like a bunch of movies use that as like a way to like, for like people to like mess metal with cars. And like, apparently it's not a real thing because whatever's in there will immediately shoot right out. Yeah. I'm not sure if I can remember, but I do feel mm. like maybe at some time I thought he was like putting sugar in the gas tank to try to mess up the bike. Mess up the oil. Maybe I'm gas. just projecting because I know what actually happened, but well, he was clearly in a bag, so I don't think he was trying to mess up the gas tank in any way. I think he was just trying to plant something on the bike. I would say maybe it's drugs, knowing Bobby. Yeah, that's what I presumed and kind of actually know so <laughs> not to spoil anything yeah. <laughs> we'll find out in the next episode okay so yeah bobby's like goodbye james or say goodbye james <laughs> then Stupid. we see maddie in her wig from someone else's perspective someone <sighs> so who's creepy. breathing hard behind some bushes and watching her and that is where the episode ends uh, the music in that scene was so like nerve-wracking it was awful yeah 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 i can't wait to get to the next episode but it's gonna be a couple weeks since we're doing this one early <laughs> mm-hmm. i'm excited for it'll be the season finale so <sighs> yeah season finale Well, did you have um, a favorite moment? I do. Um, I would say my favorite moment was the whole uh, Ed and Nadine scene where she's watching the soap opera and <laughs> you show him, Chet. And he yeah. comes home and basically makes her real life a soap opera. And I always like to project that it's a very loving moment from Ted and that he knows it'll make her feel like happy and good especially since her drape runners were rejected and yeah i find it to be a very sweet scene yeah um yeah that one might have been what my favorite as well but i will also say that Ooh. the scene with waldo getting shot and hearing the tape recording so of his voice and the donuts i think that's just like a great iconic twin peaks moment which yeah i love <laughs> <laughs> we love iconic twin peaks <laughs> it's iconic for a reason, damn it. <laughs> <laughs> All right, well, shall we do the deep dive then? Yes. Big Ed. Big Ed Hurley, played by Everett McGill. He is a member of the Bookhouse Boys and an unofficial deputy to Harry S. Truman. In the past, he was the tight end on the starting lineup of the Twin Peaks high school football team, which we've already learned a little about, bit about with Harry, who was the quarterback. So Big Ed was the tight end <laughs> also on the team, as we have already found out, but we'll just remember, is Frank Truman, Harry S. Truman, and Tommy Hawk Hill. Now I feel bad about saying it like that. Um, <laughs> Hank Jennings, yeah. Thad Toad Barker. And Jerry Horn. Again, do not believe that Jerry Horn was a football player. Nope. <laughs> There's Too nothing small. about him that says football player to me. Not the attitude, not the <laughs> physicality, nothing. <laughs> <laughs> so, unlike the rest of his family, Ed 
never worked at the Packard sawmill. So apparently the rest of his family were all in the saw milling business. Instead, he became a skilled mechanic. And he took over Ed's gas farm from his father and renamed it from Ed's gas farm to Big Ed's gas farm. (laughs) (laughs) When Frank Truman, Harry's brother, became sheriff, who he was sheriff before Harry, he offered Ed a job as a deputy, but he turned it down. And then the spring after high school is when he met Nadine after being heartbroken by Norma, who had cheated on him with Hank. But (laughs) if I can do a sound effect (laughs) for going into the past, there's an alternate history of Ed. So that all of what I just said, I think came from the secret history of Twin Peaks. But Uh there is, there are a couple of stories, maybe one called I don't know what these are. Maybe Twin Peaks short stories, like, you know, Star Wars fiction of some sort. Twin Peaks fiction. Okay. So here's the alternate history from the Andrew Packard case, which is the name of one of them. And the other one's called The Ballad of Big Ed and Norma and Nadine. (laughs) Okay. So in this alternate history, Ed, after graduating from high school, enlists in the army and is deployed to Saigon, because it's during the Vietnam War, where he worked in the motor pool. During his deployment, he wrote to Norma every day, because I guess they were high school sweethearts. Mm -hmm. But eventually he stopped receiving letters from her in return. Unknown to both her and Ed, Hank was intercepting the letters. And then one day he got a Dear John letter, from Norma and just never wrote back. And he learned about Hank and Norma getting married later in a letter from Harry in this alternate history. So later on, Ed and Hawk were wrote to each other quite a bit over the years. And Ed was thinking about staying in the army as a career, but decided to come home and help his dad at the gas farm. So that's the same. And again, he declined an offer to become a deputy. And a couple of years later, after an awkward meeting with Norma, he meets Nadine and they marry three weeks later. Whoa. So there's an alternate history in which he went to Vietnam. <laughs> oh, wow. That's so like. Which I could cool, see. Though. I could see Ed being a um, Vietnam vet. Oh, for sure. I feel like he kind of fits the bill. Yeah. But I guess we'll have to go with the original one since that is the most recent and written by Mark Frost. I don't know who wrote these other ones. Or what they the alternate one. Maybe someone out there can tell us. Yeah. Okay. So also what we know about Ed is his favorite book is Zen and the Art of Motorcycle Maintenance. <laughs> and yeah, that was that was my last fact about Ed. But we also know <laughs> about Everett McGill when they were putting together season three, the mm-hmm. most recent, The Return, David Lynch couldn't find Everett McGill because he had lost touch with him over the years. And he put out a call on Twitter to his followers to if anyone knew how to get in touch with him. And one of them wrote him back with a phone number. So David Lynch called the phone number and it was only pure luck that Everett McGill happened to answer it because it was a house, it was in a house he rarely used. So I uh-huh. guess like a vacation house or something. So crazy. Or maybe his regular house and he lives in a vacation house. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So isn't that a crazy like little it's just so David Lynch for just, you know, providential yeah. things to just happen perfectly. 
Well, what's so like what I find so interesting about a lot of like these the movies and the Twin Peaks stuff is that a lot of these actors aren't like career like hit after hit after hit. It's like because I looked at um, his IMDb and before obviously the Twin Peaks, the most recent stuff, the last thing he did was in '99. So yeah, <laughs> he actually has an interesting um, acting uh, bio because. He has done, he did quite a bit of stuff, you know, in the 80s, 90s. And mm-hmm. most, I mean, it wasn't like a ton of stuff, but most of the stuff that he did do was actually fairly successful and he was fairly popular in it. So it's um, just interesting that, you know, a lot of actors, they do so much stuff. ton of it probably is crap or never seen or whatever, but he just happened to... Right only do these ones but they all were fairly successful for him but he was also in dune and the straight story with david lynch oh okay yeah so as for his astrology i had three possible signs i looked up a couple of things i looked up the most loyal signs and i looked up the most easy to walk over signs (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> because he seems like a pushover to me because he's kind of like, oh, I'm not yeah. going to do what I want. I will just do what will make the people around me the happiest. Yeah. So what I found was uh, Scorpio are one of the most loyal signs. Okay. Probably not. I don't know if they're the easiest to walk over, but um, definitely they were in the most loyal signs. Says that their jealousy can get the best of them, but they will be loyal to you until the day they die, whether they love you or hate you. <laughs> they will <laughs> defend you no matter what and will expect the same from you. So in a, a lot of ways, I think Scorpio was my first um, instinct for him, just because I know that they're mm-hmm. extremely like loyal. And, you know, once they, they, yeah, they're also very intense with their loyalty. <laughs> but i also thought leo they are also fairly loyal signs um they're strong but they can be a pushover they'll bend over backwards for those they care about and they make decisions with their hearts not their heads yep also very loyal and then the other one was a libra because they are very big people pleasers and they want to make everyone happy even if it means that they are unhappy themselves and they will do anything to avoid conflict, even if it means not telling the truth. I like that one. <laughs> you like that one the best? <laughs> yeah, that seems like pretty spot on for him. Yeah, I think I agree, except for I just feel like Ed has a little bit of intensity that um, yeah, that's kind of underlying. But you know, let's say Libra, Scorpio. What do you, like a Scorpio like moon that. maybe? Yeah. yeah. I will say I have the card. Yes, it has him as a Scorpio. Detail. It says that his likes are the purr of a well-tuned engine and Norma Jennings coffee. (laughs) Uh, Education, Twin Peaks High School, accomplishments. I was a wide wide receiver on the famous 1968 Twin Peaks High School football team. Yeah, famous. (laughs) Famous. (laughs) Because you had everyone in the town on that team. Uh, We were voted state (laughs) champions with a near-perfect 801 record. Strengths. I can take an engine, American-made, apart and put it back together again in no time. Weaknesses. In addition to being a bad shot, I can't seem to make decisions in my personal life. 
Yep. <laughs> it's a very handsome picture of him on the cover or on the card. I don't know if you can see it. Oh, it is. It's like a very, um, very early '90s, late '80s, like I don't want to say glamour shot, but like a yeah, he's a got shot very serious like expression, a, a but like he looks like very nice, dashing. I like it. Okay, um, and for Harry Potter, Hufflepuff. I was gonna say Gryffindor because he's so like he seems good natured. Doesn't and seem loyal. to have any courage. <laughs> When it comes to yeah, his you know what? That's right. I do, I'm just remembering now where he, after he got in a bar fight, he was saying, I was drunk, I was drunk. <laughs> so, yeah, let's go with Hufflepuff. Okay. Should I draw a Twin Peaks tarot card? Yeah. Do you know that he now? Okay. Twin Peaks tarot card for the week. Oh, oh shit. <laughs> Dropped it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I got two of them. Okay. Can't reach. <laughs> okay. Well, I'll guess I'll do both because I two of them fell out of the deck. So we have Maya's veil. The high priestess, which of course is the log lady. Of course. With an owl <laughs> so on her cool. shoulder. <laughs> oh, that's so Great cool. One. I like those cards. Yeah. And the eight of wands, which you haven't even met this character. I think he's in the next episode. Not yet. Yeah, Eight of Wands, I think, is about fast movement, and High Priestess is about intuition, and, you know, that sort of thing. Okay. It's a show. This episode was fast moving and lots of uh, (laughs) use of intuition. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. Um, So, what's next? thoughts sure yeah um i really enjoyed this episode it made me really excited for next episode because you have a lot of like setup and a lot of like serious setup like who's watching uh madeline and what's gonna happen with audrey and we're at one eye jacks with jack and like what's gonna happen yeah <sighs> are I you just, having any sort of um theories starting to form in your mind or are you just trying to like let it wash over you without trying to speculate too much um like what do you mean by theories like well it seems like there's a lot of mysteries i'm wondering like are you like speculating because sometimes when i watch twin peaks especially when i watch like the season three the first time my brain was like what how is this gonna connect to this and maybe it's just my twin peaks right. brain but um <laughs> You know, like with the whole Catherine Josie thing going on, uh, like yeah. who's watching Maddie, and you know, there's just a lot of mystery. I feel like, and I'm just wondering if you are, if your brain is like running around, like trying to speculate, or if you're just kind of like, I'll figure it out when I figure it out. <laughs> um, I am a little bit. I uh, with the whole Josie thing, I wonder if she, she obviously does not like Ben or um, Catherine, and I wonder if she didn't expect, is his name Hank? Yeah. Okay. I wonder if she was not expecting Hank to get out so soon, and that kind of put, like, a dent in her plan, because clearly he's kind of, like, obviously a bad guy, but, like, I think in in line with, not Jerry, Ben. I almost said Barry. That's how, like, scattered my brain is right now. So I wonder if, like, her plans are, like, kind of being, 
like put on like hold a little bit because she's like, okay, <laughs> Hank's back. Like, what am I going to do? Because I, I was under the impression that she was going to screw them both over. Mm. How do you think she knows? Um, Hank? um I don't know. I, I wonder if she knows him because there seems to be, because Catherine, her brother was Josie's husband, right? Right. Right. So I wonder if there was some sort of connection between, because there's uh, Ben with Catherine and then maybe they knew her brother and there was like some maybe like illicit things going on with the plant or any other related things with them. And maybe that's how she kind of got roped in and they're just like knowing Ben and Catherine and lots of (laughs) seedy little like plans with everyone and lots of illegal things. (laughs) Oh, I can't wait to get to it. I feel like maybe even I don't know what all is going on because even though I know the show really well, it's still, there's details that I am discovering just through like this super close watching of it that maybe my brain forgot over the years. My final thoughts are, yeah, after talking about it, I actually am going to notch this one up, not quite as high as last week still because that was like a highlight for me, you know, just of the season. But yeah, there's a lot of great scenes. I've really loved all the soap opera stuff. Lots of deception and sneaking around (laughs) and putting on false identities and trying to investigate on your own when really they should all just be like, listen, Cooper, you do the investigating. We'll talk to you. (laughs) (laughs) We need to trust you. But everyone's got so many skeletons in their closet that they can't really open up to the FBI, I guess. (laughs) <laughs> yes I'm really interested to see because there seems to be a lot of uh characters with relation to the superstitious supernatural element of the woods in Twin Peaks like obviously the log lady and Coop now I mean he's having g- dreams and <laughs> their visions basically at this point and um with especially with Sarah Palmer too so I wonder how are all these like supernatural people going to connect? Cause I want to, I feel like the log lady at least, cause she seems the most well aware of, I would say her like quote unquote gifts or whatever. Uh huh. I wonder if she's aware of these two other people who have similar quote unquote gifts. Yeah. I bet that. Yeah. That's interesting. <laughs> interesting. Um, but also, speaking of uh, Sarah Palmer, uh, today is actually Grace Zabriskie's birthday. Oh my I gosh. Saw. It's such a momentous day for Twin Peaks. I know. So <laughs> for us happy and birthday, Twin Peaks convergence. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Too bad so Sarah wasn't birthday. in this episode. <laughs> I know. I well, She's one of my favorite parts of the show because it's like so over the top dramatic, but like it fits so well into bringing it more of the soapiness. And yeah. her reactions to Leland, like you could just, she's like, so always so over him. And yeah. <laughs> it just, she lives on the edge of like too much and just the right amount. And it's like still yes. always so real feeling. Mm-hmm. I love her. You can feel it. Yes. I like the way they explained away, like that Lucy wasn't in the last episode. Oh, you were out at the doctor's, but yet it still portrays to her storyline as we are going to find out at some point. And so I just like, mm-hmm. you know, even though ever, obviously everyone can't be in every episode, but it feels like so much more has passed than seven episodes, doesn't it? Yeah. I feel like it feels like we maybe are... 10 or 12. <laughs> yeah. I think they just pack so much into the episodes. Yeah.
right. Well, should we move on to recommendations? Sure. Do you have one? I'm trying to think of one I real do. quick off the top of my head. I got one. Well, first, I do want to, I was going to recommend the Twin Peaks tarot cards to go with the Jane Austen ones from last week. And I will say mm-hmm. that the artist is called Claire Lafar, I think, Lafar. And her Twitter handle is Maya Fire, M A I A F I R E. But I was looking up, it doesn't look like her Etsy shop is open anymore, and her Twitter hasn't been updated in a few years. So I don't know if she's still selling stuff or making stuff, but she's an artist based out of London. If you're looking up these Twin Peaks tarot cards that I have, you could look her up. But um, since I don't know if she's actually selling stuff, I will recommend this video game series that I just replayed this week. Um, it's very retro feeling. It's kind of pixelated. It's very um, story-based kind of adventure point-and-click game. Uh-huh. But you can definitely get them all on the iPad. I think you might be able to get them on the Switch. I've, I've never looked them up on the Switch. It's by a game company called Wadjet I. That's W-A-D-J-E-T. Mm-hmm. And the series that I've been replaying is called Blackwell. Uh, there's like, I can't remember what the first one was called, but there's like Blackwell Unbound, Blackwell Convergence, Blackwell Epiphany. There's five of them. And the stories are great. They like really build on each other. And I don't know if you've ever played like one of those series of games like that, where the first one is usually much shorter than the last one, because as it goes on, they get more mm-hmm. complex and more longer stories. Um, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. But it has a very satisfying conclusion. It's a fun story. Uh, I actually really like all of their games. They've only got like maybe four others that I know of. But yeah, if you like those retro kind of computer games, it's a very good distraction for a while. <laughs> <laughs> Whenever I think of like retro computer games, I think of, I don't remember what it's called, but it was like a computer game where you were a sheep and <laughs> you do, and it was like quote unquote like obstacle courses that you had to get through and do you know what I'm talking about? Mm, I don't think so. I cannot remember what it's called, but I remember I used to play it so much because like you were the sheep and it was like this obstacle course where you have to go through it and you had, I think you could use other sheep to kind of like help you get through. And I don't remember what it was called, but. Sounds a lot like Lemmings, which I did play, but the Lemming game was just, I think that was way bare bones computer game. <laughs> like text-based oh, okay. um, <laughs> I can't really remember it, but you did have to use like your little living friends to make bridges and stuff like that. Yeah. <laughs> just it's very much like levels. That. Interesting. Yeah. It was but which, yeah. What's your recommendation? Um, my, rec- my recommendation is going to be in music. It's going to be an album. Um, it's called how I'm feeling now by Charlie XCX. And I like Charlie XCX since I was, since like, I think she came out with, her first album, I want to say it was like 20, 2013. I can't remember. But she's been around for a while. She's this British pop star. And I like to name her like an honorary like princess of pop because <laughs> her sound is so like quintessential like pop. It just pulls from like all different eras of pop. And it just, I always like have so much fun listening to her. But she was recording this album, I think, part of it um, pre-quarantine and then recorded the rest post-quarantine. Oh, And it was just like, 
yeah she and she released a couple singles before it came out but like it she just like talks about how interesting it was and how hectic it all felt just to kind of get this rushed out and but it's really really good I really enjoyed it um it came out just this past Friday and it was just like a fun little thing to kind of like make the Friday even better (laughs) you should listen to it yeah what kind of music is it pop yeah it's just like quintessential like pop and and like um I'm trying to think like I don't know it just pulls from like different pop artists you can hear like different influences from different decades of pop and oh cool um it just yeah I'll definitely have to check that one out yes it's so good and we'll add it to the playlist when I make it <laughs> <laughs> someday we'll have it <laughs> again no one has ever requested it but me but <laughs> <laughs> I was say that's more than enough I should have done it months ago <laughs> <laughs> Uh, at this point it's probably getting I mean I stopped writing down our recommendations after a while I had written them all down so I bet it's getting a little it'll probably be a little harder now Um, okay and if you want to get in contact with us yes our gmail is mannersofmadness at gmail.com our twitter is at mannersmadness our instagram is at mannersofmadnesspod and our website is managedmanus.com and you can leave us a voice message. Yes. And next week we are doing Northanger Abbey 24 through 27. Um, yes, 24 through 27. Yes. And then we've only got the finale left of Twin Peaks. And then we have one more at Northanger Abbey and then a check-in and we will tell you what's coming in the next section. Mm-hmm. And be sure if you have any mashups that are <clears throat> Northanger Abbey Twin Peaks mashups. Obviously, we talked about the Catherine and Audrey mashup, but I was just thinking of one that would be great. Um, oh, I would love to see Catherine. Because you know how I was saying Audrey would make a good FBI agent? I think Catherine yes. would also make a, I feel like Catherine and Audrey are very similar to me, even though they're they're yeah. very different people, but like their storylines are reminding me of each other in a lot of ways. So I would love to see Catherine yeah. be in like FBI training, you know? <laughs> yeah, I would say it's like that, like kind of like a cop kind of movie where Audrey would be like the seasoned, like veteran <laughs> cop, and Catherine is like the newbie who's like trying yeah. to learn the ropes. Did I you ever see that. that movie, Feds? I think it came out in like the 90s or maybe 80s. I don't think so. Oh, I can't remember even who was in it, but it was these two women training to be FBI agents in like the male world. And I remember mm-hmm. that movie so clearly because after I watched it, I was like, do I want to be an FBI agent when I grew up? <laughs> <laughs> but I'd love to I see love a feds with Catherine and Audrey as the yes. <laughs> FBI <laughs> agents in training. <laughs> I feel like they would compliment each other so well. So if you've got a mashup idea for that, please send it in. Yeah. Any mashups would be great. Um, anything that you guys want to contribute for the check-in? Any questions? <clears throat> I'm trying to warn you guys ahead of time this time because usually I'm like, <laughs> let us know. And yet we've already recorded it at that point. So uh, yeah, we're giving you plenty of time to, although we're way more closer to the actual release dates, except for this particular episode. So right. anyway, <laughs> i've babbled on enough so i guess that all that's left is to say goodbye and see you guys next week 
Yeah, and thank you we'll for have listening. We'll a special guest for our finale. <laughs> Ooh, I don't even know who it is. I'm so excited. <laughs> oh, you do. I just have to remind you. But I'm not going to remind you right now. <laughs> <laughs> You'll have to see you next week. Right. Or the week after. Yeah, two weeks. <laughs> <laughs> All right, guys. Thank you so much. Goodbye. Um, take care of yourselves. Good night. Stay safe.